Hello, welcome to the latest episode of the Folkestone and Victor podcast. This will be episode 14. Uh, it'll be the fourth one we've done with one of the players post-season. And this time we're speaking to Matt Newman. Spoke to Matt yesterday. Uh, we spoke about a few of the issues throughout the season. What it's like now, having moved back into centre-half from midfield... He told us who he'd vote for to win the Player of the Year award that he won the year before. Sat with that behind him. That's a huge trophy. Uh, his favourite goal from the season. And we discussed a few bits like um, our football might change uh, once we eventually get back to it. What might happen with cup competitions, league competitions, stuff like that. So uh, hopefully it'll be an entertaining listen for you. Hi, Matt. Thanks for taking the time to speak to us. First of all, congratulations on the addition to the family. I hope everything's well with you lot. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's good. Going well. It's uh, strange times, but it's nice to uh, silver line is I get to spend a bit more time with my family, uh, my new baby son. So, yeah, no, it's not too bad. Thank you. So if we go back to the previous campaign, we had a really good run of form at the end of the season, missed out by a point on the playoffs. Obviously, really disappointing. Uh, we lost Addy, who'd been top goal scorer two years running, but we had Ira, who'd come into the team and had a really good run at that point. Uh, we brought Jerson in as well, and obviously Henry as backup goalkeeper. What was the mood like amongst the players and obviously the management headed into that new campaign? Uh, I think the mood's similar to what it always is at Folkson, is you want something to play for, didn't you? So. We just missed out on a good run of form. Missing Addy is a massive miss. Uh, I, I obviously rate Addy a lot. Uh, got a lot of time for him as a man in the change room as a player. But people stepped up. Ira stepped up. Jer stepped up. So um, they got the goals. And yeah, I think it was just the momentum. Keep the momentum going from the back end of last year. Generally, everything was the same in terms of the team. Not loads of wholesale changes. And then and crack on, really. And there you go, it happened. I mean, it, it all worked out. Well, was working out. Starting last season, Jerson hit the ground running. Ira forced his way back into the team uh, early season, kept coming on, kept scoring goals. Um, we were absolutely flying. Um, we went to Kings Langley and things didn't quite go to plan. <laughs> cool, didn't go to plan, yeah. Uh, do you know what? This sounds strange and it's, it is strange, but... None of us felt right that day. It just, you know, when you have a perfect storm, that's one of them days where it just didn't, I didn't feel well, I didn't feel fit. I know Callum wasn't feeling great, he had dead leg JV felt, it was a really hot day. We just, something just wasn't sitting well that day. I don't mean in terms of the players weren't up for it. it sometimes you have games where you just don't feel great, you're not moving well, and it just was a weird game. They, they were really up for it. We couldn't, we couldn't break them down. We had a few chances, but just the perfect storm and really poor result, poor performance, probably the poorest performance I've had at Folkestone. Probably the biggest loss, actually. Um, and when you consider it was a team in the league below that just lost their manager and it was for 12 grand or whatever it was for, it was quite disappointing. It was the low point of the year. Um, it was definitely the low point of the year. But in true Folkestone style, we did dig in. And we bounced back after that and we started winning league games and getting up the league. So sometimes you needed a bit of a wake-up call. I think that might have been it this year. Two of their goals came really late on in the game when we were obviously trying to throw stuff forward. But 
we never got any sort of tempo going, never really no. got into the game we know we can play. No, we were poor. Personally, me and Callum were we couldn't we couldn't get hold of their forwards, me and Callum. We they were they played two up front, we weren't used to a lot of teams played one. And um we couldn't really they just were better than us all over the park and it, it just proves that it's not always about ability because they weren't actually a great footballer. No disrespect, they weren't better footballers than us. They were just getting about more, more second balls, putting their head in, and they just beat us. Really, it was just, just poor from us. But it sounds like an excuse. It was a, even before the game. I was, I was thinking, I feel exhausted. I don't know why or what it was. I just felt exhausted, and I know that was actually quite a few of the team feeling a bit exhausted. It was a strange feeling. Sounds like an excuse, but it was, it's not. In October, in a different cup competition, we hosted Hive on a Tuesday night, one of your former clubs. Do you enjoy playing against your old clubs and those sort of games? And do you enjoy playing in those competitions? Uh, can you call Hive a former club? I was there about four months, weren't I? <laughs> I, I, don't, I didn't look back. I just knew you played for them. Um, it's different, a different group of lads, I think, different manager. Um, I never really had much to do with the back room staff at Hive. I, I didn't speak to the chairman. Um, so I, it sounds strange. I don't really consider. I don't consider it a former club. I've got certainly got no animosity, and I don't want to beat them like, overly. They're just another. I played against Hive for Folkestone a lot more than I've ever played against Folkestone for Hive. So no, I didn't really see it like that. And it was Kent Cup. We beat them five one, didn't we? Yeah. Strange game, didn't they? Their goalie got sent off after about 20 minutes. And, uh, yeah, that's right, yeah. We went right a little bit, didn't we? But we had a bad, about half hour in that game, we weren't very good. And we had to pull yeah, up. Scored up two minutes. Yeah, they did, didn't they? Yeah, good goal, actually. Um, yeah, we got a rocket from Neil at half time. But yeah, no, in, in answer to your question, no, not really. I don't, I don't have many former clubs. I've been here seven years. So um, I think. Hive, Tommy Jangles and Chatham, really the only ones that I've played for. Um, so, but yeah, Folkestone, obviously been in such a long time, don't, I don't see it like that really. What about the competitions in general, the Velocity Trophy, the Ken Cup, how do you feel about them? Uh, <laughs> put me in a bit of a precarious position. It, you, they're, they're games of football, they're more enjoyable than training, you can go and play them. There's not a lot of pressure on them. For me, I would always use them to try different things or play players that need games. I don't think they're across the board taken as seriously as the other cups because obviously the monetary element isn't to it. But then we played Dartford, I think, Kent Cup, wasn't it? Yeah. And they went for it. So it means different things to different people. Obviously, Dartford got a 22-man squad um, of all you know, fantastic footballers and we haven't got that luxury. So... Um, but Tyler played in the early rounds. Joe was scoring hat-tricks all the way through it, who was probably not getting as many league games. So it is, it is what it is. It's good for playing players that are in and out of the team, and it's also good for younger players. But on a cold Tuesday night at Hive or Tunbridge, and, you know I mean, it's not, it's not easy. So yeah. Even for some of us, like me to up the scaffold tower on a Tuesday night when the wind's absolutely hammering it, Yeah, it's not quite as fun as when it's, you know, Bank holiday, bank holiday Saturday in August yeah. or something against Merston. Yeah, do you know what annoys me about the cups are that we you should get them done a lot of them done in the summer I think um, where we haven't got many games and the pitches aren't beaten up and the weather's nicer so people will come and watch and stuff like that so 
when it's Christmas and the pitches are all boggy and it's freezing and raining, people don't want to come out, it's on a Tuesday night. I think some of these cups could probably be almost pre-season cups. Um, I would, if I had my choice, I would change it to that um, because it's just sometimes over Christmas and that you play so many games, the pitches are always called off, they're always beaten up cut up and stuff you could just make it so much simple and they might have to now if they have to condense the season it might actually change the way that we we look at these velocity cup and the, the king cup as well yeah because obviously they changed it this year the velocity to have that group stage between all the clubs in the lower league and then obviously that seemed to push where we come into it back quite a lot and then we hit it at a time when there was horrendous weather yeah obviously we lost a couple of games in the velocity we couldn't get the tunbridge game on well, game yeah. couldn't get on and yeah maybe want to look at using some of those earlier midweeks earlier on in the season to get those games in and then if you have got those problems you've got more leeway to play with because i mean yeah. we, we were in a situation where we were looking at playing every midweek if yeah. we hadn't been knocked out of kent cup by dartford and it could have been absolute chaos well, you think if, um, obviously this is a, a strange season, this will never happen again, hopefully, in our lives, but if that time game being put back how many weeks cost us a couple of league games and then they kind of points per average at the end of the year, it could have cost you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, for me, that was that was massive in the situation because that Cray game got put back twice. Yeah. And if we'd have played them, it, you know, that would effectively have decided if it had been on points per game, the fact that we hadn't played them could have yeah. decided who taking a second spot if they were sending two teams up. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, maybe they look at it based on this and say, right, that Tunbridge pitch was obviously a problem and they were really struggling with it. Um, so if we played this game or this cup had been at the start of the year, it wouldn't have been a problem because it wouldn't have been waterlogged every week. So, yeah, common sense should prevail. They should make these cups, the ones that don't have the football leagues and the premiership involved, and they have to start the FA Cup obviously needs to finish. But these ones, you know, I mean, we play the King Cup one game, we're in the court final. So why can't you do that start of the year? Mm. Uh, yeah, but not even the pitches. The fact that you, some of these games struggle to attract crowds. Yeah. And you, you're holding them in December and January when it's wet through, freezing cold, yeah. the wind's howling, and, you know, someone who has... It's not on their season tickets. No, exactly. It's then, extra- I'm not going down, I'm not, not going out tonight. What's the point? Yeah, they should do it differently, but it's not for us to say, is it? it's for them to figure out themselves, I suppose. No, obviously everything is up in the air now. You know, we don't even know when they're going to get restarted. So, Yeah, if they condense the season, they'll have to do it. because Yeah, it might, finish- might be that we don't end up playing those competitions for a couple of years. You know, yeah. They just condense league fixtures down. But yeah. We beat Margate 4-0 on Boxing Day at the Bill Kent. Obviously, players are... At the top end of the game, don't really get Christmas. They obviously they train on Christmas Christmas Day. How does it affect your Christmas knowing you've got that game on Boxing Day? And do you do you enjoy those fixtures? Uh, short answer: No, I don't enjoy them because I want to be with my family um, and enjoying Christmas like everyone else is. Um, it, but it depends how it affects you. It depends how you prepare for it. Some some players can get away with drinking as normal and eating as normal and stuff and play just as well, and some can't. So. It depends how you prepare, really, and how professional you are on Christmas Day. Obviously, I have a few beers and that, and eat as much as I want. But I find it—I find it. I see both ends. Fans want to come out and watch games, and it's good for the club because you can get some extra revenue. 
But for players at our level, especially when it's not our job, we're not full time. We do this as a hobby as well as getting some money. And we do get money. So I do understand fans want to see us and stuff like that. But I just think maybe one, two, maybe you can get a game in, but maybe one too many. I think Christmas, uh, Boxing Day, New Year's Day, and one in between. So I don't know. I, Premiership, I completely understand tradition, want to go and watch it. But maybe not down to our leagues as much. I know the Kent League don't, they almost have a Christmas break. To be fair, we did have um, we didn't play the Saturday after Christmas this year. Between Actually. we changed that, and I think clubs did get the option on which one they wanted. So yeah, because I think I went down to Lid on that Saturday because obviously we weren't playing. But yeah. obviously you, you, we might have that weekend off. But you still I say you still. I mean, we were twelve o'clock Boxing Day. Yeah, which is then a bit is that extra three hours is then another three hours you've got to think about in terms of the day before. Yeah, yeah, I, but then I prefer that because you can get back and spend Boxing Day with your family. So it did work for me, Boxing Day. Um, but new, I think pick one or the other, Boxing Day or New Year's Day, and stick with one of them. Uh, because to do both, I just think I haven't been out New Year's Eve unless I've been injured or something for, what, 12, 13 years. I've not been able to do what other people have been doing. Um and I'm not getting paid enough to not, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Ten grand a week, like some of the pros, and yeah, I'll stay in all the time, but not, not with, uh, not at our level. I don't think it's right, but I understand the other side, so it is what it is. And uh, do you know what I mean? When I play for folks, and I say I'm going to play a year, so I'm there, whatever. But if it was up for me, I'd choose one or the other: Boxing Day or New Year's Day, not both. Well, we did have a good, good game that day. We played really well, beat them four 0 and you got one of my favourite assists of the season. That ball. Through to Ira. Yeah, yeah. I had a strange game uh, against them. I uh, I was playing well, and then I think I pulled my groin. That's come off, and I had another. I had trouble with my groin. So I think I had another month out uh, after that. But yeah, good. Not yeah, bad. You definitely didn't play New Year's Day. I remember that. Ah, uh, so I would have had a New Year's Eve after all this moaning. I definitely would yeah. have. Yeah. <laughs> I think what I'd done. I oh, know the missus is pregnant, so we didn't do anything. So, um, yeah, no, it was a good game. I. I like the Kent derbies, I must admit. We we generally do all right against Margate um, and Tunbridge, really. So they're, they're all right. I think I, I normally have all right games. I scored against them last year in Margate. Um, yeah, got a header from a corner. And yeah, put, put Ira through. I remember, the, yeah, it was a good ball. That's my midfield days coming back. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, good. Callum played every minute of every game until he was sent off at home to Hornchurch in January. Um, what's it like to play alongside him so regularly all season as a pair? You've built up a really good partnership. It's good playing with him. Yeah, he's a very, very good football player. Um, it's not good being around him at any time apart from the 90 minutes on the field because he's the one of the most annoying people I've ever met. As you know, he's... He, he don't speak to us a lot. You can't get any sense out of him. He's never, you can't have a serious conversation. I obviously drive up with him as well. So I spend much more time with him than I'd like to. Um, but in the 90 minutes, he's very good. But if you ask anyone around the club to warm up, he, he takes nothing seriously. He, can't, he won't train. He's kicking balls around. He's like a kid, basically. Um, so, but as a player, yeah, he's very good. But I don't like saying it because he's annoying. So, but no, he's fantastic. He's good to play with, and it is good to 
to have a partnership with someone that you know what they're going to do. So he's he it has worked, and he's a very good player to play. I've played 150 games with him, and I've probably played all of my 290 with JV. I certainly haven't missed a lot of games with JV. So either side of me, we've got a lot of games together, really, which pays dividends, doesn't it? This is why we're always competing as such. So I think continuity is very, very good within football teams, certainly defence, because it's important. Yeah, a lot, a lot of clubs around our level don't seem to quite have, have so much of that, whereas obviously we've kept a lot of stability over the last few years. A lot of clubs seem to have, looking at it from outside, a lot of players in and out quite a lot. And obviously noticing it where we're putting news out, we don't often do a, we signed this player, we've let that player go, as yeah. we often see from other clubs. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it, really. I, I've never understood it. It, it. It's a strange way of doing it. Unless you're failing and and you need to change, why? Because the more you play together with people, the the more sort of you know each other's game and it works. So I, I, I've never understood that. And if I ever was a manager or whatever, I would definitely look at keeping my squad together and building. Yeah, you do need additions, I think. You need to freshen it up with one and two new faces every year. Um, to keep competition for places, but certainly the core of the team I would always keep the same unless someone's underperforming. So the midfield, the centre halves, the centre mids, the forwards, well, some sort of continuity with the goalkeepers and stuff I think is important within football. And if you look at the successful teams, generally they are after one or two years of building. Now you can't throw a team together and, and they do well, really, it's, it's very rare. Yeah, obviously, maybe it's a testament to what Neil's done that he manages to keep you lads together because obviously we know that it's not not the easiest club location for the club down here. Obviously, a lot of clubs seem to have a, a big advantage being in London. You've got that much bigger catchment area and it's a lot of travelling for some of you lads coming down here, especially for training and stuff. But Neil's, yeah, Neil's kept you together well. Yeah, well, you want to play for him, didn't you? That's the that's the that's the that's his trait really. If you ask me, is you you want to play for him, you want to do well for him. He's do you know what I mean? I've played for him for seven years um, and he's just fantastic. To, he's good to be around. It's, it's a good feel at the club. I really like the club. I always have. And when people ask me about it and people, players ask me if they're coming over, what is it about folks? And it's just the whole club. Everything's done right. There's no, there's no real politics to it. There's no sort of backstabbing. Everyone's put in the same direction. And I think that that's why people stay. You look at at some at one point when I joined, I think maybe six of the starting eleven had played over three hundred games, which is up like Friendy, Frankie, they'd played like five hundred odd games together. JV's played five hundred games now. Um, Blanksy's over three hundred. Um, Mev got his back two thousand and he Mev. <laughs> so like you don't really get that. So there, there must be something in it, and it is it's the club, it's Neil, it's how he conducts himself. Um, but it's also all the whole element of it. The money's always there. You never, you, do you know what I mean? It's, there's no un, nothing underhand going on at Folkestone. It's all how you see it is how it is really, and, and people respect that. So that's why I've stayed, and I, I I think that's probably why everyone else has stayed because it's not we're not we're not the most paid club, as you know. We we've got good support to be fair. So I think what's our crowd? Five six hundred at the minute. Question about. I think just over 500 like we averaged in the end. So what's that in terms of the league? Obviously, Worthing are well out ahead. Fourth in the league. Okay, well, there you go. So we've got good crowds. And we Jim, did have a lot of own midweek games as well, where that takes 100 off. So if yeah. we hadn't had so many of them move for cup games, we, 
Yeah. Been a lot so, better. He's quite well supported club. So yeah, no, it is testament to Neil really that he keeps everyone together and I think he sees the importance of it. If he's not broke, don't fix it. And he does certainly when when he talks about players, I know he asks about character as well. And I know he he won't there's not many there hasn't been many players that have come to folks and that have been bad eggs, if you like, that have been destructive in the change room. Everyone sort of sort of gets on with it. So I think that's important as well. Yeah, I said the same sort of thing to Henry. I've never had a, you know, some of you want to talk to me more than you want to talk to than others do, but none of you have ever come across as bad guys. You've always been friendly, and if you know, I might have to pest you a little bit, but you've always been happy to, you know, do stuff that's not even not really part of it for you. It's just, yeah, you know, it's a it's an extra little thing to help, but it maybe helps the club. But you know, you're not getting paid hundred grand a week to do sit down and do interviews and anything yeah. else like that. Well, it helped, as you said, it helps the club. I think it, it's gone digital, isn't it? Look at the, the football world is all on social media now. People are putting up their highlights. Ira, for, for instance, <laughs> all these goals. And it will bring more fans. The younger generation watch YouTube. They watch, look at Instagram. And you want younger generation of fans. So your job is important. So I suppose the players see that. I mean, I'm not the youngest player, but I still look at the goals on Instagram and stuff like that. So it, it is important. And... Yeah, no, they're good boys. They are. They just we go out, we have a drink, we all socialise. There's not there's not really anyone that doesn't get involved, and there's no there's no idiots really. Everyone's just pulling in the same direction. I think it's important. And obviously, you've moved back from midfield into centre half more regularly. This was seems to be your first season where that was a more of a permanent thing. How have you found that adjustment? What playing centre half? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've. Everyone tells me it's my best position. Uh, I prefer midfield, I'm not going to lie. Um, I like being involved in the game more. But it's all right. It's, it, listen, uh, it's easier in terms of on your legs by a long stretch. Um, so I don't mind it. And it's, it's, it's all right when you're in a game where you get a lot of the ball and you play. It's not so much fun when you're playing against someone who's a lot better than you and quicker than you and stronger than you and uh, runs you down the channels. But... That's part and parcel, I suppose, isn't it? So it's okay. I don't mind it. Obviously, playing further forward normally, you've got that ability then to play out from the back a lot more rather than more natural defenders who haven't been used to be doing that so much. Yeah, I think that's part of the thinking with Cubs, to be honest. But I think it was it was that, but it, it, he was hiding the excuse that I think my legs had gone. So he was telling me that we need to be able to play out from the back. Callum can play out from the back. Um, JV can play, Alfie now can certainly play. So I think that was a part of the thinking. Football, I know it sounds strange, but even since I've played non league, it has changed. People are, are trying to play, and it's the right thing to do. People want to see passing teams. So I don't see any point or problem with me going back there and playing out. Sometimes you get caught, but if you stick to it, it is what it is. And you've got a player of the year trophy sat behind you that uh, you picked up playing centre half. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's not. I never won that in midfield, so maybe that's telling me something. So, no, it's nice. It, we were meant to go back this summer, um, but I don't think uh, it will now. But we've had a little talk in the group. Obviously, we've got a WhatsApp group, and I think it's uh, unanimous that Alfie Paxman was going to get it this year. Certainly, we've got my vote, so I might just deliver it to him at some point during the course of the season because I don't want it. Look at the size. Can you see the size of it? Yeah, it's not small. Nice. No, it's, it's big. So. Is, uh, That's about as big as Alfie. 
Yeah, to be fair, he could sit in it, couldn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, no, it, it, to be fair, it would go to, to Alf, I would have thought. Well, maybe not officially, but he should get it, shouldn't he? I'm sure we'll get around to having those sorts of votes. Obviously, we've had a goal, we've put up a goal of the season by at the moment, but whether the club want to take that as official or not, I don't know. But, yeah, I'm sure at some point, we won't mind having a party and whatever when once we can get back to normal and yeah. maybe put a bit of money in the bar. That's it. I think so. I think that's. But to be fair, all the boys that on the group were talking to to uh, Payne and that, and we want to get down at some point and just sort of celebrate the season, really, as you should. So that would be something definitely in the pipeline. Yeah, obviously we were on course for something really good. It might not quite ended as we wanted, but. We've missed out at least a bit of a celebration about what you lads have achieved. Yeah, it, it, well, it is what it is. That's the. I know it's just it's a bit cliche, but what happens? Unfortunately, this is far more important people's health and that. And if you can't, I'm on. I'm of the mindset. If you can't see that football has to take a back seat when people are dying and people are getting ill, then you're not looking at it the right way. Football is a game to be played and enjoyed and how can you be enjoying it when people are dying, etc. So, yeah, we were, we may have won the league. You never know. We beat Worthy and we were generally come good. You never know. We'll never find out. We would have definitely been in the playoffs, I think, would we have, point-wise? Yeah, I don't think we were far off. We'd have taken a real dip in form to have dropped out of them. Yeah, so, and notoriously, we are quite experienced now. We've been in the league three years. So you never know what what may have been, but there's no point looking at it. You just got to regroup, and when we do get the opportunity to go back, make sure we're right, and that's all you can do. Did you think Alfie would make such a good left back? Yes, I knew Alfie would make such a good left back. He, I think, <laughs> do you know what? He um, don't get me wrong. I think he's a good left midfielder, but I think he's better facing play. So the way Kieran plays left mid. Um, you can drop it into him facing goal, um, facing away from goal. And I don't know disrespect to Alf. I think he's more coming onto the pitch. He's better at coming onto the pitch. And left back is a vague term at Folkestone because of the way we play. So you can call him a left back, but how many goals has he scored? Eight, nine? Uh, I think six or seven. Well, there you go. And it, he, he gets on. Do you know what I mean? He's fit. He's very fit. And he's up and down. So although he's a very good defender, very good. Um, he also gets on. He's not like the old school, stay where you are, clip line. He gets on, takes people on, gets in the box, as does JV on the other side. So, yeah, he's a left back, but I don't think he he's left back by name, but not really. He doesn't play that way. But I knew it would be, he's tenacious, Alf. He's small, but he's tenacious. He's good in the air. He's good in tackle. He's got a very good left foot. He's got quality on delivery. And he can score. Uh, I, I think he's good. I think he could go on, if I'm honest. And I think he's tailor-made for left wing-back. If you play, if I was a manager and I played 3-5-2, Alf is a class left wing-back. So, yeah, he's, 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 it's quite important having, a, having full-backs, him as well as JB, that give you a lot, especially when you're, you're a team that we are, that's wanted to push at the other end of the league. Teams maybe want to, will take a point off you. And you've got that extra man on the pitch that can chip up with goals, chip in with assists. And is that always an extra body going forward and gives you that extra width? And I'll always say to anyone about, obviously, second half most weeks, they're in front of me, him and Kieran. 
And I'll say that partnership is what is 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 fantastic to watch. I really enjoy watching that down there. Yeah, they're good. They are very good, and they're a big part of what we are uh, while we're at the top of the league, really. Kieran, Kieran's Kieran. You're not even going to get Kieran. He's fit as a fiddle. He's good on the ball. Uh, he can go both ways. He scores. He, he assists. But Alf going round him and Kieran coming in works. It does work. Um, not so much cohesion on the right with Ira and JV because Ira sort of does what he wants and yeah. JV, JV gets on and then we're a little bit exposed and I'm down the right on the right centre half and at times I'm a little bit exposed. But do you know what I mean? We score goals and I think Neil's mindset is he'd rather outscore teams than sit back and he wants to be entertained, doesn't he, Neil? So, and so do the fans. So I can deal with that. But it does leave us a little bit one on one at times. But yeah, no, it is important that they get on, especially at home when we're a, f- a few of the games we've played, people have sat back and tried to nick points or break on us and stuff like that. And it is important. I think a couple of the goals have been headers from Alfie crossing it from the left and JV heading it back post. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? When I first started playing football, there was no way both fullbacks are getting on. <laughs> it was always on the anchor. So, yeah. So, yeah, we do go for it. And it, it is important that they go, they both hit the box. And I know you've got to be, f- they're the two in our team that fit JV. He gets called leggy a little bit, JV, uh, but he really isn't. He's fit. He's a fit boy. And uh, Alf is naturally a very fit boy. So you've got to be to be doing that position for us. Well, right, we went down to Worthing in February. And I'll be honest with you, I wasn't that confident. I'm not sure a lot of the fans were. We were missing JV, Callum and Alfie from our back four. Ronnie and Hassler in the middle. Um, they were top of the league. We'd lost the week before. How did you feel heading into it? And how how good was it playing with that makeshift back for a Finn, Mev and Jordan Wright, who obviously came back and they all did so well with you? I was I was feeling anxious, I'm not gonna lie. I was in the car on the way up with Drakes and Kieran. And yeah, I thought it was gonna be tough. I thought it was gonna be a very tough game. And it was, but yeah, I was uh, fearing the worst going into it. Obviously Mev Mev's Mev Finn's played for Gillingham. Do you know what I mean? I've watched him on TV. He's a really good football player. So there's no, there was no sort of anxiety based on him too, but in all respect to Jordan Wright, he hadn't played for ages and he was coming left back against Worthing who moved the ball as good as anyone. I thought he'd struggle, but in all fairness to him, he was brilliant. Oh, he played that day. Yeah, he was brilliant. And he played the next game against Tunbridge. Yeah. And he, to be fair, I played with Jordan maybe two years, and they were the two best games I've seen him play for us at left back. And I was really, I was actually like buzzing for Jordan because he gets a lot of stick from us, uh, and he's a good lad. So I was buzzing for him, and uh, he played well. But yeah, that was as we go talking about Langley being the low point of the season for me. That was the high point of the season for me, playing that game, winning one 0 clean sheet. I was skipper in the day, 1,400 fans or whatever. And to go and beat them 1-0 at, the, at, at that stage of the season with that much importance on it, with a makeshift back four, makeshift team, really. Tyler played, 17-year-old. Big game for him to come into. He'd done really well. Um, it, it was a mature performance from us. And I must admit, at that point after the game, I thought we could go and win this. We actually, we could. I never really got involved in all the can we win it, can't we win it, until that game, I thought, you know what, based on that performance, that 
sort of resolve that's typical folks and still we could go and win this so it was that was the high point of the season for me definitely yeah it felt felt to me like up until that point it was sort of always looking ahead that's in the future we we could do something this season that was the that was the game for me that felt like the real the real title moment the sort of the big buzz that you really felt like you were in a title race then yeah i agree yeah we put I think between the space of two weeks, we beat Hornchurch at home and Callum got sent off and I, I gave the ball away and Callum, like, last pitch tackle and I'm thinking, oh, no, what have I done? And we beat Hornchurch, who are a good side, a completely different version of Worthing. They beat them up, if you like, Hornchurch, old-fashioned old side. And we beat them at home with 10 men, a bit of steel again. And then we beat Worthing at, uh, at their place with a depleted team. I thought, yeah, we could. We could do it. I think we lost the week after, which was shocking. I think we lost to Wingate. Yeah, we lost to Carl Shorten and Wingate either side of it, which is Yeah. <laughs> and then that just puts it all back in perspective and you think it's not done. Uh, football's a funny game. So, But yeah, that, that was the high point for me and it was a moment where I thought, do you know what? We could actually go on and win this. In the last fortnight of the season, you scored two penalties in shootouts. The manager spoke earlier in the season about the squad maybe not having the best record from the spot. But what was yours like in coming into that? And how confident were you when you stood up to take them? I was confident on the day for the penalties, yeah, because if you're not confident taking a penalty, you're probably going to miss. My record wasn't great, to be honest. In, in them cup games, I've scored, I think, I've scored the last five in a row for Folkestone. But previous to that, I missed one for focusing in the playoff final against Leverett, uh, which was pretty bad. And I missed one against Shorey. Um, I tried to dink Shorey in a penalty shootout, I think in the FA Trophy against Ramsgate, and he got his hand to it. So I've missed two in a row. So out of what? Five, out of seven, I'd scored one before that shit. Out of eight, I've got five. But yeah, I was confident. Sorry, out of eight, I've got six. Yeah. <laughs> There was definitely injustice there. Um, yeah, I was pretty confident. It sounds terrible, but the the one against the team in Essex, forgot their name. The goalie's about 15, wasn't he? Yeah, there was a bit of stick being thrown at him at some point, and someone's pointed out he was only 16. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt confident against him. Uh, it sounds terrible, but... They did well in the night, to be fair. Oh, man, he'd probably be a really good goalie, but it's tough to ask this 15, 16-year-old to, to go and go against us. But, yeah, I felt confident both times, and we won both of them. So, it was uh, nice to get a goal. I think that's the last kick we've had, isn't it? My last kick for Folkestone was the penalty against... Yeah, uh, technically, Henry was the last one to touch the ball because he made the save off the last one. But, yeah, you were the last one to... As well, because he threw it yeah, he needed to redeem himself, Henry. Yeah, he was. Uh, <laughs> he, had, he had dropped a bit of a bollock earlier in that one, but yeah, yeah it was good to, you know, obviously, and it, well, that was the last game of the season. It was good that he he redeemed himself with that, and yeah. it was a good way to go out. Obviously, yeah. assuming that we couldn't go on. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. There's another cup we could have won. What was that? Were we in the final after that? Semis. Semis. Who did we have in the semis? Uh, Bracknell Town. Okay, yeah, I'm not, yeah, yeah. I think they, they're in the league below, but they have beaten, knocked us out of that same competition the year before. Yeah, 4-0, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm quite glad I didn't go to that one. Yeah, that was a strange game as well. 
think, I think Cugley picked, picked a weak, much weakened team that day, if I remember rightly, but he definitely was taking that Velocity Trophy seriously towards the end. And I mean, part of that might be the fact that we don't have the biggest squad anyway to bring people in, but he did, did seem to be taking it quite seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think, to be honest as well with us, we've got a, a squad where everyone's actually of, of equal ability. I don't think there's much in it. So, although he's probably got his starting 11 cuts, if someone drops out, like you think Hassler's been injured for a lot of the season, the, the quality Hassler's got, really, is, would be a big miss, but we've got someone to fill in just as good. Ronnie Dolan's been injured, Herdy's. They've all been injured, but we can fill, fill in the spaces. Kieran comes in. So although we haven't got a huge squad, I do think we've got where teams may have 18 players or 20 players, but maybe 15 first-teamers and five youth teams. We've, I think we've got a squad of 15, 16 that are capable of doing it, whether one drops out, one drops in. I don't think it really weakens the side as much. Obviously, certain players would be a massive loss. Callum, for instance. Um has a massive loss just because of his ability on the ball for set piece and stuff. Yeah, but missed him for about three months, which is at the end of the season, which is huge. Yeah. So I do think we've got a good squad. So although he plays uh, what you would see as the players that aren't playing in the first eleven, I wouldn't say it's a lesser team really. So that's probably why we've done so well in them cups because if you do play the younger guys or the, the squad players against our Arsenal players, we're probably just as strong as we are with, with or without them. Obviously, that second shootout is now the last action we're going to see for some time. Did you have any sort of feeling at the time that, that might be, the football season might end up coming to an end? Yeah, I thought straight away. As soon as I read about what was going on in China, I thought, yeah, it was a ridiculous... It has to stop. I knew it was going to stop. I thought it would stop before it did. I thought the Enfield game, the Enfield game was strange. We weren't allowed to shake hands with them. Yeah. Later, I'm marking their four from a corner and I'm <laughs> so if I knew it was going to stop it had to stop um, I thought it would probably be stopped quicker and a decision would be made quicker on the the outcome um, but yeah I could see it coming I mean it's, it's 30,000 people died haven't they Do you know what I mean? it's, it's not it's, it's significant the whole economy stopped my work I work for myself my the, just complete everything's closed and football you can't play football without touching someone can you so it's going I personally think football will be the last one to apart from the premiership because obviously they they bring so much to the economy and entertainment that they'll do all they can to get that going I think our football non-league grassroots whatever you want to call it will be one of the last things to come back in because you can't. You can't police it. You can't stop people touching each other. You've got a lot of our fans, bless them, our older generation. And if it's spread within our within our stadium, we might not have any fans left. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, it, I, I could see it happening. I thought it would happen before the Enfield game, but temporarily. Uh, I think they're going to stop the game, assess it. But yeah, I knew deep down what was going to happen. And, and obviously, it was a huge blow given the the way the season was going, being in that cup final, being so close to either playoffs or maybe even a title. How did you feel when things finally were completely cancelled? It's mixed emotions, really. You feel you feel sort of uh, the work you've done and all the effort you put in 
has gone not gone to waste because obviously you still have the experience and, and everything. But yeah, it's mixed emotions because you could have done something. There's a there's a chance you don't get to win things much in football, um, and it was a chance to do so. So to start again is a mixed sort of double-edged sword. But at the same time, the bigger picture I understand uh, it is what it is. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to get caught up in it. The thing I miss is socialising with the boys and playing football, being with a team. Um, and once we get that back, it'll be fine. But I, I get both ends and it would be unforgivable for us to go back and something to happen to one of the players or one of the players' families or one of the staff. And then you're never going to forgive yourself because of what's happened and your part to do with it. For instance, if I had... Uh, COVID, had no symptoms, and then someone that I played against or with or went in change room had got it because of me and someone passed away from their family. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. Yeah, it, it had to happen. It is a blow, but we get on with it, as we as we always do. Do you know what I mean? We're sort of resolute, aren't we, down at Folkestone? So we crack on whenever we can. If it's next year, when it is next year, when we get to play, we'll just go back to it and give you a little bit more motivation, wouldn't it? Say, look, we were so close, we've done all this, we've done all that, let's go and do it again. So, but I'm, I'm realistically, I'm not sure how many football clubs are going to be able to compete at the level they were financially. Um, so, it's going to be a strange playing field, maybe for us, maybe forever. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the lads, I've, I, I, asked, I wrote something about the situation that I, I spoke to some of the lads about. And there was no real desire amongst us to like even be sent up in any, however that may have been worked out. If you know, if you get an email on a Tuesday that says you're being promoted to the national league, it's not, it's not what we've looked up for our season. There's no buzz about that. You know, we're not watching you do it on the field, and it's sort, it sort of be a bit hollow almost if if that had happened. I don't know. Maybe with the players would feel different, having been the ones that are actually out there. But yeah. No, I think it would have been hollow. I think you're right. I don't think it, it wouldn't have felt... If if they'd done points per game played and then we came out top, I still wouldn't have felt like it was a win. I know you'd get it in the history books and you could look back, but I wouldn't have felt like we'd won the league. We wouldn't have got the celebration of the cup. Do you know what I mean? We wouldn't have had the party. Players want to win things for the celebration. Do you know what I mean? You want to win a cup so you can go out with your team and have a good drink up and you can go and experience it with everyone not just to look back our 10 years and go oh yeah I got promoted that year it's about experiencing things so it would have been hollow and I feel for Liverpool with this situation if it happens to them because they're just on the cusp of winning the league and this has happened and in our league it's a bit different because no one was really a rightful winner if you like but I do get if if I was if we were 10 points clear for instance and they took it away from us. I would also be. I would feel the other way and be like, Nah, we we deserve to go up. We were ten points clear. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, there's a couple of teams. I think like Jersey Bulls that had actually secured a promotion, but you haven't got anyone. That had, I don't think that had been had, had relegation confirmed, and then you've got to send them down. And is that fair when they never went into that situation knowing that that. That, you know, if they don't win this next game, they could be relegated. Teams might have still got out of it. I mean, we yeah, how do you think? Managers come in all the time and change things around. 
You're never going to get everyone happy. That's the problem. There's no solution that's going to cover all bases. And I don't think, I think the fairest way, and you're going to, you're going to piss people off, is to just void it. Because for that reason, Jersey Bulls, they've won the league, but it's, it, this happens once every hundred years or whatever. Never going to happen again. Void it. Go again next year. Because who do you send down? People like in our league where we were talking. I think I was talking to Neil. In our league, you get some will get Wingate are always down the bottom. They always manage to get out, don't they? And they'll put a bit of money in. They sign some good players. We had ten games. There's thirty points left to play. Then if there's ten games, yeah. How can you determine that? And points per game is a ridiculous notion as well because someone might have played far more percentage of home games than away games. They might have had an easier run. I said it on Twitter, actually, and I'll, the fairest way I think you could do it is an algorithm. So, you know, like Football Manager. Yeah. So Football Manager would have an algorithm based on teams that have won at home, who they're playing. There must be a scientific algorithm to be able to do it, not just points per game. And if you can prove to me that this team is playing that team away from home and this was the probability, that is the only f- the way to do it. But then who's, who's got the time to be doing this algorithm? So because we beat Cry away from home, then we're definitely going to beat them at home and we go up. Well, there you go. <laughs> Cray's a perfect example because they were second in the points per game, right? But their argument would be, we just beat Worthy. I think they were unbeaten in 12 before um, the, the season ended. Ridiculous run. They had a ridiculous run. But they come second. Worthing had just lost two to us and Cray. They'd only just won the game after against a, a lower team, I think. So then you've got to take all that into account. Worthing were having a bit of a wobble, young team. Cray, Cray could have the argument. We've got the argument over Cray to say, we had you at home on a Tuesday night. How many times have we lost on a Tuesday night? God, I don't even remember the last time we lost in a Tuesday night at home. No, I don't think we had. Yeah. This season. So we've got the argument of we would have won that game. Cray have got the argument we would have won the league. We... We haven't lost in 12. Worthing have got the argument, no, let's stick to the points per game played because yeah. they're having a wobble. So everyone's got their own narrative and their own driver. It's not going to work. And that's only the top three. Yeah, so I know, I know if you look at the Premier League, there was talk, I've, I've listened to something where there was talk that or you could take, obviously, points per game to decide what three you send down, but then you could split it and do home points per game and away points per game because uh, teams have played different amounts of home and away games, yeah. which would then change who went down. I think West Ham would then have gone down over the normal points per game, and then you're going to ask the entire league to vote on which system they want, and it only affects two clubs. Exactly. And, you know, they're yeah. both effectively going to have to lobby for those clubs to vote for sending them up or down because you already know what what that result affects. Yeah, and then it's political as well. Who votes for who? Like, there'd be reasons beyond football that people vote for someone. Someone might vote for someone because I don't like them. I don't like West Ham. I'm a Tottenham fan. Send them down. See what I mean? So, yeah, it, it won't work. So the, the fairest way is to avoid it and crack on next year and just get it done. But ultimately when it's safe to do so and everyone is safe and there's no sort of... Well, this isn't for me to say I'm not. I'm no expert. Whenever we, whenever it's deemed safe by the scientific bodies and all that, like the government, then we'll, we'll go back in and play. Sooner rather than later, hopefully. Yeah, sooner rather than later, yeah. We're all going a bit stir-crazy at the minute, I think. 
Uh, how different do you think things might be once we get back to start playing again? Um, I don't know. I, that's a tough question. Financially, I think it will be. I think the, the teams that are throwing money left, right and centre might not be throwing money at it. They might take a more more of an organic approach, if you like, and try and get some youth players in. And I think I think players might be asked a bit more of the, non, the players at our level now. You, you might be asked to take a bit of a pay cut. Um, if the season's condensed, you're going to be in more. You're going to be playing Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, but then you get more time off the back end. I don't know. Is the quick? Is the the? I can answer it. Hopefully, not too much. I know we're pretty well run financially in terms of our um, not sort of going above our means, but I'm I'm not sure all clubs are. I know that a lot of clubs are always close, even in up to the championship level. There's teams cash flow issues. Um, so I think it's going to take a big... In- I listened to uh, Talk Sport, I don't know if you listen to Simon... What's his name? The ex-Palace. Children. He's got a really good view financially about how to do it all mm. and how to distribute the money from the wealth of the Premier League down. And I think that should actually continue down into grassroots as well because otherwise it's going to blow up the whole system, isn't it? If you can't financially, our level can't stick together, then why should the level above and the level above... Do you see what I mean? So... The multi-billionaire Premier League should actually distribute some of the money down to the Championship and vice versa, all the way down into grassroots. So I don't know what's going to happen, and it's for much smarter people than me to see how to keep it going. But I don't think it's just going to go back to normal with no help at all. How can it? Yeah, I mean the, the thing for me is like where people were maybe squabbling over how things ended, whether things should restart, this, that, and that. For me, it's always felt like the most important thing should be that as many clubs as possible are still around. Obviously, going aside from the health issues of people, like football's priority, yeah, would be to making sure as many clubs as possible are still operating at the back end of this because, say, a lot of them have been operating on that knife edge. I know like, championship clubs spend often spend more on just simply the players' wages than they even bring in. Yeah. And, you know, keep just keeping them afloat is a big task and that's got to be the number one priority rather than yeah. working out who's, who who might go up or down or whatever because you might even end up with clubs saying they want to go down yeah. at some point because just to cut, you know, especially where it's regionalised, cutting down on their travel and their costs and stuff and having smaller playing budgets where they know they then can't afford to compete at that same level. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to have teams that can't afford to be in the Ryman Prem or the, the Conference South, for instance. How You've got half the country to travel and players aren't going to play for nothing because they need the money because they've been out of work, so they're not going to cut them. So, yeah, the, the driver should be not, let's argue about, who deserved what and let's actually concentrate on how to keep everyone sustainable and how to get keep putting money in. Um, I know folks were straight away one of the first people to do it, I think we were, was the community thing where fans can chip in. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. That's a massive amount of money they've raised. And people will do it because it's a community thing. You see, yeah. they, they want to come and watch on a Saturday. Um, do you know what I mean? I would chip in, I would take a cut. To, to play for Folkestone, no problem with that at all, as long as you're not costing me a lot of money to go and play and it's financially feasible for me. I think everyone's just got to do their bit and not worry about 
how what happened last year. That's, you're exactly right. Let's worry about how we can continue to do it next year because that's that's going to be the challenge. And what are you hoping for going forward once we do get back to football? Uh, retirement, I think. <laughs> Give up, hang my boots up. Um, same as really, same rules apply. Go and try and win the league. Uh, just effectively do as well as we can. We never really put a lot of pressure on us. We never come out and say, I think the year we won the run south, I think the chairman came out and said, we've lost the playoffs twice. We're going to we're gonna go and try and win the league. And we signed Cole Rook, Phil Starkey, who had been at a level above and were brilliant for us. And we went and done it. But apart from then, I don't think we've ever really applied a lot of pressure to ourselves. We just sort of go out, see how we do, and then to go from there. And... I think that's probably what we'll do again. But in the back of our minds as players and as a club, we'll know that we are probably one of the people that should be up there. Obviously, nothing's given. We should, the size of the club now, the level of experience we've got, the players we've got, we should be up there. Let's play together. So it could come down to how well the clubs are, are then managed throughout this. And it could just be a complete reshuffle in the league. You might find someone that was down the bottom I mean maybe Corinthians casuals who obviously don't pay the wages because they're an amateur club suddenly find themselves in a much better position as some of the clubs who were spending loads of money on wages and yeah. maybe got hit a lot harder yeah you're right it could it could flip completely the, the clubs that have got a sugar daddy that aren't sustainable and he just throws his money in might struggle they might go because he might be his business might be really affected by this and he thinks I can't afford to put in and then they haven't got the sustainable model that, say, Maystone would have or someone else would have, even us. And then they've got no money. So, yeah, the big clubs with uh, sort of a, a funder could go down a pan. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird to even think about it. it could, there could be 10 teams in the Conference South that say, we can't afford to do it next year. We can't afford to play. We need to drop it. Like I said, it, would need, it needs someone to really find tooth comb, go through everything, make sure the next year, the next season is going to be a bit, I'm not convinced it's going to be as plain sailing as people think, if you know what I mean. And I don't think we just turn back up and everything's the same. I think there'll be a, a bit of a reshuffle, a reset, if you like, which might not be a bad thing. It might be a complete reset football, um, the economy and stuff, and then everyone's got to do their bit to pick back up. Have you spoken to the manager much since things come to an end? And if so, do you know how he's how he's feeling about it all? Yeah, I speak to Neil quite a lot. We got quite a good, I've known him quite a few years, and I so we've got quite a good relationship. I speak to him about players. He he rings me checking on the boy, my son. Sent me a card. So yeah, we do talk. Um, he's happy. He's walking down Sandgate Beach, I think, or Hive Beach, sorry, with his dog, and he's a. Uh, He's probably making calls and doing his business and making sure everyone winning the time's right to sign up. So I think he's doing all right. But everyone's in the same boat. But everyone's a bit bored now, aren't they? So um, we all miss football. We miss. I think it's it's not so much playing the game. I miss sort of the changing room. I miss the camaraderie. I miss like being with the lads and stuff like that. So I imagine he's exactly the same. He's a social guy. He knew we probably misses being up in the bar afterwards and. So, but yeah, we speak a lot. We speak about players and potential signings for next year who may come, who may go. Um, 
Um, so, yeah, no, he's talked quite a bit. And what's he like as a boss to play for? Presumably can't be too bad, considering how long you've played for him and you've even gone away and come back. Yeah, I didn't even want to go away. I would, I would have stayed. I think they got rid of me. Um, no, he's great to play for. He is really good. And do you know what I mean? I'll probably get a bit of stick for this because the boys, after telling everyone that he's, he rings me quite a bit and stuff, but he is good to play for. Pardon? Teacher's pet. No, I'm not teacher's pet, you know. <laughs> Uh, we have we have our ding dong with me and Cubs like we have arguments here and there in the change room and but that's 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 Cubs he, he lets you he's honest that's that's what I like about him he he tell you how it is if you if you've been bad he'll tell you bad but it's all forgotten he's he's pretty loyal with players he 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 just wants the best for Folkestone at all times and whatever it takes to do that he'll do it and that's all you want really so he's good to play for I've I've played. For, like I said, I haven't played for loads of managers. I've been quite lucky with the managers I've played for. I've had good relationships with most of them, not all of them. But he's he's very good to play for. He he understands people, which I think is massively important. It's not we're not just football players; we're people. He understands Callum has uni work he has to do, and sometimes you can't give everything to the club. Sometimes you have to miss a training session. Kieran works nights and he sometimes he's knackered and he understands things like that and it's, and it's not he's not one of the people who wants to drain every drop out of you and get you in it I think one of the big things about folks and that people don't understand um, is he he doesn't want to get you in at every opportunity he understands that the boys from London have to drive two hours especially when the motorway has been shut he understands that and he let it gives you enough trust and he understands he trusts you to go and do your own bits and keep fit and running. If you're going to drive two hours from Folkestone to do a cardio session on the pitch, why can't you do it in the gym where you live? And he understands stuff like that. And I think that goes a long way that he gets people need time to themselves and he trusts people to work. If you're not fit, you won't play. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Show. So he trusts people to go and do the fitness. And we, I must say, we're one of the fixed teams in the league. And if we're one of the fixed teams in the league and we don't train every Tuesday and everyone goes, they don't train, they don't train. Well, there's your answer. Do you know what I mean? A bit of trust goes a long way. Let's look back at some of your favourites from the season. Um, what was your favourite moment of the season? One nil win against Worthing. The moment the whistle went. That moment now. The mo- not, not when the goal went in. The moment the- no, we still had to defend for about a minute and I was still anxious. But the moment that whistle went, that was my favourite moment of the season. Uh, have you got a favourite goal that we scored? Yeah, Jerson's goal. Outside of the boot. At Cry. I think that's one of the best goals I've seen. I played in the, Where I played in the game, it's one of the best goals I've seen. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I missed that night, so I didn't, I didn't get to see it until the next morning when I started editing the video. But yeah. that was, yeah, something else. Yeah, unbelievable goal. The, the power... He got outside of the boot from that range. End of the game, one of the I think was that the winning goal. I oh, know Yo scored. No, Yo, yeah, Yo scored the winner. Um, that's the best goal. That's the best goal this year. The Tyler's was good, but Jerson's as a technique to hit the ball with the outside of your foot like that. That's tough to do. So yeah, Jerson's. Yeah, we have been blessed with some ridiculous goals this year. <laughs> Chin Chinadu scored a good one at Mersh. Yeah. yeah, probably them two, but oh. I'll stand by that. 
that's the best goal I've ever seen at Folkestone. Yeah, for playing for Folkestone is Jerson's goal. That's some pretty high praise. Yeah. Uh, have you got a favourite save that one of the keepers made? One that sticks out is Henry against Horsham was a good save because we were a bit bad that day and he actually he actually won us the game, I'd say. The one, the one, that, the one from Callum? Yeah, where it would have been an own goal. Um, that was a ridiculous save. Yeah, I'd say Henry made that one against Horsham and then he made a, two smothers uh, against Burgess Hill the next week where he come out and made a self. Bogner. Yeah. Not Burgess Hill, yeah, Bogner. Um, they're the only ones that stick out really for me but I'd say Henry's against Horsham yeah he was brilliant that day against Bogner he was easily the best player on the pitch and yeah a good game somehow we didn't end up winning mm. yeah we lost 1-0 didn't we That's, I think that was one of the first games we lost at the, at the Fullets at the Bill Kent sorry well uh, I think we had a centre-half missing that day so yeah I didn't play that game <laughs> right cheers for your time Matt no problem thanks for that so thanks to Matt for that. And after doing that, I, uh, I spoke to Ira today. We've done a little, little bit for uh, a video and another podcast that I'll get out next week. That's something a little bit different. Um, last night, our goal of the season competition finished. That was won by Tyler Sterling for his goal against Carl Shorten back in February, I think that was. He had 38% of the vote. We got well over 500 votes. Easily the most amount of votes we've had on any vote. Goal of the month, goal of the season polls this season. Uh, so really well done to him. And hopefully we'll be seeing many more of them in the near future. But that's pretty much all from me. So stay safe. Hope you're all well. And uh, keep an eye out for that stuff with Ira next week. Until then, goodbye.